Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Tom Jocelyn, who's been following the Benghazi story from the beginning. Tom, you're one of the first people I thought of when I saw the uh, Ben Rhodes email hit. Uh, what was your reaction to what you saw there? Well, I think the Ben Rhodes email still isn't even fully understood how important it really is. I mean, what Rhodes is talking about is not just Benghazi, but a number of other assaults on U.S. embassies and diplomatic facilities surrounding the Benghazi attack. And as we've documented at the Weekly Standard a number of times, you can point to several cases where those assaults were orchestrated by known al-Qaeda figures. Starting earlier in the day in Cairo, where Ayman al-Zawahiri's younger brother, Muhammad al-Zawahiri, a known al-Qaeda figure, basically was responsible for instigating that protest in Cairo, which was not about the video. It was about, you know, denounce, it, was, it was about denouncing the video, but it was also mainly about saying, we are al-Qaeda, you know, look at al-Qaeda's right. ideology grow. Remember one of the chants was Osama, or Obama, Obama, we are all Osama, you know, and the black flags of al-Qaeda are flying throughout the crowd. This is what Rhodes is trying to explain away. It's not just Benghazi, it's not just one assault on a U.S. diplomatic facility, but really a series of, of assaults like that that were orchestrated by known al-Qaeda figures. So in other words, when he says, my defense is that this wasn't about Benghazi because it wasn't just about Benghazi and there are these other things too. You're saying that's merely another indictment of the failure of the Obama administration's policy leading up to that point. Exactly right. I mean, his defense makes the story even worse, actually. And the, the, the full quote makes the story worse because what you realize is that they're trying to explain away a series of Al-Qaeda-affiliated assaults on U.S. diplomatic facilities beginning on September 11th and going through September 14th. You know, it's interesting, um, the, many of us, and I'm one of them, so I'm either guilty or whatever of this, are focusing on all of the misleading information coming from the White House after the assault, the things that appear to be lies. I, I consider them lies, Tom, because when a dopey talk show host back in the States knows that it was a terrorist attack and not a movie review gone wrong, I assume the White House does too. Is there any way now that the White House narrative of Everybody thought it was the video, and we were just passing it along, survives. Now that one of the White House's own has been caught red-handed saying, we've got to make the video the story, and no one can explain where he got the message that the video was the story? Well, you know, I'm sure some will still cling to it, because part of what you'll see, or people say, is that, well, some of the protesters in Cairo elsewhere, or some of the Benghazi attackers, reference the video in some form. But they're really confusing a pretext for a motivation. Right. Al-Qaeda doesn't need... Innocence of Muslims or any other anti-Islam film to justify terrorism. That may be a pretext for terrorism, maybe a way of them blaming the West, blaming America, but that's not a true motivation. And part of what's happened here all along, especially in the press and especially in the New York Times, is there's been a confusion, a very basic confusion between pretext and motivation. And so, you know, people will take any reference to the video as as a uh, emblematic of the motivation of the attackers when that's just not the case. And it's pretty clear to honest observers, I think, that the White House was in the business of spreading a story for their own benefit, which, come on, let's face it, it's politics. We're not that shocked by it, which is why I was I was shocked at my reaction when Tommy Vieter, who was in the White House at the time, made his flippant dude, it was like two years ago, <laughs> answer to Brett Baer on how did these talking points get changed away from the facts to this invented political narrative. I was taken aback by that. Were you? Well, you know, I, I think it's consistent with sort of a broader approach to dismissing the nature and seriousness of the threats um, from the Al-Qaeda network worldwide. Um, you know, they're basically desperate to try and play down all this. You know, one of the big things they do is pretend that there's this core of Al-Qaeda that's just 
distinct ent- entity from everything else. And all these other branches of Al-Qaeda or Al-Qaeda groups aren't really Al-Qaeda, you know. And that's part of how they've tried to explain away the groups that were involved in Ghazi. But we've documented, for example, that three of the four main groups involved in that assault are known to answer up the chain of command to Al-Qaeda senior leadership. So the idea that this wasn't really Al-Qaeda is sort of uh, just naive and really simple-minded. But, it, but it's being used for policy purposes to justify sort of an end of the 9-11 wars. And really, Vitor's attitude, I think, is very common within some circles in Washington that really want to explain away all this and just say, you know, who, who basically, who cares if they killed four Americans? That You know, Peter Bergen in one debate, actually, with me a couple years ago said, you know, if that was al-Qaeda, that's the best they can do, so who cares? You know, so it, it's a very uh, symptomatic, I would say, attitude in some of these circles of, of basically the whole approach to fighting al-Qaeda and affiliated groups. You know, these are the same people in the White House who have insisted all along that there was nothing that the president could have done or the administration could have done to help save any of the lives lost that night in Benghazi. Now we find out that the president apparently didn't even come downstairs from his debate prep, didn't enter the situation room. That's one of the questions that Tommy Vieter was, uh, tr- questions he was trying to address. Uh, do you know where the president was or do you know what the uh, best thinking is on what could have happened to uh, possibly rescue some of the Americans that night? You know, I don't. I don't know. I don't know where the president was or what he was doing or what the what the real story is about the efforts to rescue Americans. You see now, com, you know, conflicting accounts. Some reports by some military officials say that they could have done more to intervene there, and I'll let others sort of sort that out. But I think you know what's important is is to for the select committee is to figure out what. The president was doing the night, but also figure out how he and his administration responded to these assaults on several different embassies afterwards. Um, you know, what was the communication with the Egyptian government about right. trying to get Mohammed al-Zawahiri in jail? What was the communication with the Libyan government about hunting down the attackers or in Tunisia or in Yemen? You know, Hillary Clinton and, and President Obama, they referenced four different assaults on the embassies as being the most serious. Egypt, Tunisia, Libya, and Yemen. And I think those four really need to be investigated as part of the same story because we've documented that there's interconnectivity amongst even the terrorists responsible for each one of those four assaults. So really exploring how the administration responded in each of those cases is important. And how have they responded? Well, basically they've responded, and this is another part of the Benghazi scandal, by treating the whole thing like a law enforcement matter and saying that we can't use military force to take out, for example, the Benghazi attackers because they're not covered by the authorization the use of military force that was put in place after 9-11. Um, this is ridiculous. I mean, if you actually see and understand the parties that were responsible for the attack in Benghazi, um, some of them are clearly um, fall under the AUMF. I mean, one of the guys who was responsible is ex-Kimo detainee named Sufyan Benkumu. He runs Ansarashri and Derna, another uh, city there in Libya. Some of his men took part in the attack in Benghazi. Okay, Benkumu was important enough in, uh, to uh, that he was he was actually mentioned and, and logged on the 9/11 facilitators main laptop, the guy who was responsible for giving the financing for 9-11, Ben Kuma was on that laptop as a, as a main Al-Qaeda member receiving a monthly stipend. And now we're going to a point where we're defining Al-Qaeda down such that Ben Kumu isn't part of, really part of Al-Qaeda and isn't somebody covered by the authorization for use of military force after 9-11. That's why this is all so serious and so important. Tom Jocelyn for the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for joining us for this Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.